I would like to make everyone very welcome tonight. I really appreciate all who have made the effort to be here. It's certainly got a few degrees colder outside over the last few days and it's getting dark very early. So it's maybe not so easy to just leave the house and come out, but we really appreciate everyone who's here and make you very warmly welcome and trust that you'll be blessed for being here tonight. And just at the very outset of my remarks tonight, just before I even read from the Word of God, I would like to ask you a clear and a direct question tonight. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you absolutely certain that your sins are forgiven and at the end of life's journey that you will be in heaven? I wonder, just have you ever thought about that? You know, it's the most important thing. It's the most important decision that you could ever make in time is to trust Christ because the Bible tells us that there are two places where our souls will dwell for eternity. It will be heaven if you've trusted Christ and you're saved. Or it will be that awful place called hell if you die as you were born in your sin. I trust you'll give these things consideration tonight. I would like to pose four questions tonight along with four readings from the Word of God. And the first, please, is in the book of Romans in chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. They're all well-known verses to most. The book of Romans in chapter 3. And verse number 23 Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the question I would like to ask in relation to that is, why do I need to be saved? Why do I need to be saved? And you know, as I read this over in the last few days uh, and just this morning again, I wonder has there ever been such a powerful statement made in so few words for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The next reading, please, is in John's Gospel. Back a few books to John's Gospel in chapter number three. John's Gospel in chapter three. And we'll read verse number 16. John chapter three and verse 16, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And I want to think there of the question, why can I be saved? What has happened that I can be saved? Why can I be saved? Our next reading, please, over again to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, and we'll read there at verse, uh, we'll read verse 30 for the connection. <clears throat> Just from the middle part of verse 30 in Acts chapter 16. Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And the question I would like to pose there is just in that, in verse 30 What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And the last reading, please, is in 2 Corinthians, over a few books there to 2 Corinthians, and chapter number 6. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2. And just want to read the last part of the verse. It says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And I would like to think of the question there, when should I be saved? And we look to God to bless the reading of his precious word. And of course, over and above anything that I might have to say to you tonight, this is the most important thing you could take away 
is the Word of God. So I have four questions that I would like you to consider this evening, just in the little time we have here. Why do I need to be saved? Why can I be saved? What must I do to be saved? And when should I be saved? The first question then, why do I need to be saved? Well, that's a very important place to start with because it's absolutely vital, my friend, tonight that you understand that you need to be saved, that you need to be saved. We read there in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, everywhere we go in the world today, everyone likes to shout about everything being inclusive nowadays, don't they? They like to say that everybody has to be included in everything. Well, the word of God is all inclusive and it says that all have sinned. And that takes in you tonight and that takes in me and it takes everyone in this hall tonight, everyone in the town of Ballyclare and everyone in this whole world, all have sinned. But tonight I would like to bring it a little bit closer to home and I would like you to consider your own sin before God, your own sin before God. And I ask you clearly, do you know that you are a sinner? Do you know that you are a sinner before God? And of course, I'm not here to try and judge anyone tonight. I would be no person to be doing that. And these are not my thoughts and things that I've just made up. These are all in the word of God. And that's what I fully rely upon is the word of God. And it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that is what the warning is in this verse is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, you know, I'm sure most, if not all here tonight, are familiar with how sin came into this world there in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had absolutely everything that they could want and everything that they could need. And they had one command given to them by God. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. But there we know in Genesis chapter 3, we read there that account of how that serpent came into the Garden of Eden. And he tricked Eve and he told her it would be okay. She wouldn't die if she took of that tree. And Eve took of that tree and did eat. And Adam took of that tree uh, and she gave to Adam and he did eat. And we read in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. They had broken the command given by God and sin entered into this world. And you know, that old serpent way back then in the Garden of Eden is that very same devil today that will blind your mind and distract you and tell you that you don't need to worry about sin, that there'll be no consequence. He'll tell you that you can take your time and you don't need to worry and you can put it off another day. But we can't. You must address your own sin before God. You know, it's very easy, isn't it? I'm sure likely we've maybe all done it, if we're honest, to look upon the sin of others. We can look at people who live nearby or work colleagues or people that we see and we say, well, I'm not quite so bad as them. You know, I'm not a bad person. I do my best. And I would well believe you if that's what you told me. But we must remember Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 tells us every one of us shall give account of himself before God. You will never have to answer for my sin and I will never have to answer for yours. We will not be able to point the finger at others and say I was a better person. They were far worse than me. Every one of us will give account of our own sin before God. And it's very important this afternoon that you would face up and be honest with yourself and before God about your own sin. 
Maybe you say, well, I am a good person. You know, I do plenty of good things for other people. And that's very commendable if that is what you do. But I must tell you faithfully, my friend, the Bible says that salvation is not of works, lest any should boast. There's no merit in anything that we do that could get us to heaven. Salvation is not of works. You know, if we could pay our way to heaven or if we could go and attend a building every Sunday to get to heaven or do good works to get to heaven, there would have been no need for Christ to have died on the cross for our sin. And I would urge you tonight, my friend, and I know sometimes it's not easy, I've been there, to take that inward look at your own soul and confess your own sin before God. You know, First John chapter 1 and verse 8 It tells us, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We must be honest with ourselves tonight, my friend, and come confess our sin before God. Because, my friend, that sin will ultimately lead to death. And if you're not saved, it will lead to that awful place called hell. And I don't know what your thoughts about that are. I've had many conversations with people over the years, you know, and I suppose the world has everybody believing it, you know, that hell's not that bad. People seem to think it's just a continuation of the way they live their life here in the world. They're going to meet up with their friends. They're going to have a drink. They're going to carry on partying. Let me tell you, my friend, what the Bible says. The Bible says that there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And I'll tell you, my friend, it would be no place for anyone here tonight to ever end up. It'll be an awful place with eternal torment and only the regret that you didn't repent of your sin and trust Christ while you yet had time. Why do I need to be saved? It's because of your sin, my friend. It's because of your sin that you need to be saved. Our next question then, why Why can I be saved? Well, you know, when I look at the account of this world in the Bible, sometimes I wonder whenever man turned their back on God, when he had given them everything, And man sinned against God. Why God didn't just close his hand on his creation and finish the whole thing up. But I always come back to that lovely verse in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I can stand before you and tell you on the certainty And on the authority of the word of God, my friend, that God loves you. God loves you. If you don't take anything away from what I've said tonight, you can take that, that God loves you, each and every one of you. He does not love your sin, but he loves you. And we'll just take a quick look over that verse in John chapter 3 and verse 16. It starts, for God. God is the author. God is the provider of salvation. And it says that God so loved the world. It doesn't say that God loved a little bit or God loved just enough. God so loved the world. It's totally, it's, it's impossible for our minds to comprehend such great love in that God loved the world. And the world takes you in tonight, my friend, as part of that. It's all inclusive again. God so loved the world. You say, well, what has God ever done to show his love to me? How has he ever proved it to me? Well, the verse goes on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that my friend is the greatest gift that anyone could ever give God has given his son in your stead he sent his son from the glory of heaven into this world and his destination was a place called Calvary and there when those Roman soldiers had done their absolute worst to the son of God he was nailed by the hands and feet 
to a cross. And there, that afternoon, just outside Jerusalem's city walls, a great darkness came over the land. And in those hours of darkness, God punished his son for each and every one of our sins, for your sins and for mine. Every single sin paid for in the precious blood of Christ. First John chapter 1 and verse 7 tells us, The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. It's all inclusive again. It takes in every single sin was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. And it takes your sin in this afternoon. You know, the first half of that verse in John 3.16, I see that as God's half, the loving and the giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The verse goes on then to say that whosoever believeth in him. You know, I love that word, whosoever. That takes me in tonight and it takes you in. And sometimes when we're talking to the little children, we can tell them just to put their own name in the verse in place of that whosoever. It takes you in tonight. It takes everyone in tonight. But again, I would like you to think about it a little more personally and think about it as yourself and not just as everyone else. Think about it as yourself, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God says you will not perish. You will never be in that awful place called hell for eternity. And the verse goes on, it says, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's heaven, my friend. And that's what God offers you this very afternoon in Ballyclare. It's nothing to do with me. I don't make any offers. It's all on the word of God. And God's word says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will have heaven for eternity. All your sins forgiven, all paid for in the precious blood of Christ on that cross at Calvary. And that's, my friend, how you can be saved this afternoon. And, you know, the second part of that verse, that's your responsibility, is the believing and the receiving. That whosoever, that if you believe in him, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, I love how clear the Bible is. There's no black and white. There's no sitting on the fence. There's no wondering what it means. It's all very clear. And it says, if you believe in him, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Would that not encourage you to go in for God's salvation this afternoon? The absolute certainty of it, that you could be saved by simply putting your trust in another who has already paid the price that you never could in your sin. Why do I need to be saved? It's because of my sin. Why can I be saved? Because Christ has died for me on the cross at Calvary and taken my place. Our third question then, what must I do to be saved? Well, I don't have time now, but I would encourage you to read that account in Acts chapter 16. It's a very interesting story there, and I'll just go through it briefly. The two men there, Paul and Silas, had been thrown into the prison for preaching about God. And the jailer man was told to put them away into the, into the prison and to fasten them in stocks so as they couldn't escape. And it says, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing. And there was a great earthquake. The ground shook and all the prison doors were opened and all the prisoners were loosed from their bands and able to escape. And the jailer man who had been tasked to keep them safe, he was panicking then. He was in trouble for he had been ordered to keep them safe and he was going to take his own life. But Paul and Silas, they called him in 
And they said, Sir, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And it says, he came in trembling. And then in verse 30 that we read, he asked that question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a question. And you know, right from there, up until tonight, this afternoon here in Ballyclare, the 27th of November, 2022, the answer remains exactly the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It couldn't be any more clear and it couldn't be any more certain. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. My friend, that's all God asks of you this afternoon. God doesn't ask you to come and pay a lot of money. You know, it's wonderful that you're here tonight, but, you know, just to be clear, you could come to a place like this every Sunday evening for the rest of your life. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be in heaven. If you never trust Christ, you'll never be there. And this verse makes it very clear. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, your sin keeps you at a distance from God. And in this world, you will never have peace. You will never know satisfaction if you're at a distance from God. You need to be saved and you need to trust Christ to be saved. And you will know peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how you get saved is to trust Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There's no other way, my friend. There is no other way to have your sins forgiven and to be sure of heaven. We often sing it with the little children. There's only one way, God says, to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way. There's no other way. There's no other way to go. One way, God says, to get to heaven. And Jesus is the only way. There's nothing in this world, my friend, that could ever come close. I can tell you from personal experience that Christ will never let you down if you put your faith in him. I've had wonderful experience of it. The last 16 years of being saved, I've never been disappointed once. Never, not once. He's a wonderful saviour. A wonderful saviour and he will never, ever let you down. I can say to you now, it only gets sweeter day by day if you put your faith in the one who took your place on the cross at Calvary. So when or why, why do I need to be saved? It's because of your sin. Why can I be saved? Because Christ has died for my sin on the cross. What must I do to be saved? All God asks, my friend, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to do anything other than simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, for years I wasted a lot of time making up excuses and thinking of ways. What do I need to do? Surely there's something I have to do to get this. Not a thing, my friend. I realized on the 2nd of October 2006, there's not a single thing that I could do to get me to heaven because it had already been done when the Lord Jesus Christ cried out, it is finished from the cross at Calvary. God was fully satisfied and raised him from the tomb and he's seated at God's right hand in heaven this afternoon. And one day soon, my friend, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. Our final question then, when should I be saved? Well, it's a fairly obvious answer, I think, in the verse, isn't it? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, there's none of us that are guaranteed tomorrow. I think we would all acknowledge that someday we're going to die. And we would all have to be honest and say, we don't know when and we don't really know how that's going to be. And, you know, the book of Proverbs in 27 warns us very clearly, boast not thyself of tomorrow, 
for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And, you know, I was just thinking over that this afternoon, and there's been some terrible, terrible sad events, even in this country this year, and there was that terrible thing that happened in Donegal not that long ago, and all these very sad things. And, you know, I don't know anyone that's been involved in these things or how they stood before God. But I could tell you of a certainty that no one leaves their house in the morning expecting that they're not going to make it back again. And I'm the same. I leave the house in the morning and I fully expect that I'll come back again. But I would have to confess that I have no idea if I'll even make it home tonight. It's so important, my friend. It is so important. Now is the accepted time. That's what God says. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. Didn't we sing that solemn verse at the start of this meeting? Tomorrow's sun may never rise to bless thy long deluded sight. This is the time. Oh, then be wise. Thou wouldst be saved. Why not tonight? What is it that's holding you back from going in for salvation tonight? You don't have to answer to me, of course, but think within your own soul. What is it to you that's more important? You know, I thank God for the years that I had heard the gospel between me first hearing it and me being saved, there was a long time. And I thank God for preserving me through that. Because if I had have gone out into eternity at any time then, I would have been lost. I would have been in hell. And my friend, once we die, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. There's no changing our mind. That is the importance. It's a very, very urgent matter. And you must make the decision while you have time. Tonight, now is the accepted time. So I would encourage you tonight to consider your sin before God. And to realize that the price has all been paid. There's nothing that you have to do. The Lord Jesus Christ has paid it all in his precious blood. And I would encourage you tonight to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And it's your own personal decision, you know. There's no one can force you to do it. And there's no one that would be able to force you to do it. It's your own decision where you will spend eternity. Will you trust him tonight and be saved? Or will you carry on as you are rejecting him? another time. I would encourage you tonight, my friend, to accept him as your own and true personal saviour because tomorrow you might not have the chance. And I leave you with another question from Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, a great warning. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? My friend, there won't be any escape if you neglect your soul's salvation. You must be born again. You must be born again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now shall we pray. Our Father, again we bow our hearts into thy presence in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee, Father, for giving help to handle these solemn matters, Father. We pray that some precious soul here tonight in Ballyclare would drink in the truth of the gospel, Father, and just simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. We pray, Father, that thou wouldst draw near, that they wouldn't go on another day in their sin and risk being lost for all eternity. We thank thee again for the opportunity of preaching the gospel, Father, and for the opportunity of lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank thee that there is still opportunity yet tonight, Father, for precious souls to repent and be saved. And we look to thee to draw near and bless each one, Father, and take us to our homes in safety now, we pray, as we give thanks again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.